This podcast contains mature content, including, but not limited to, profanity, sex, nudity, uh, wait, what, and the occasional spoiler. Oh, no. <laughs> Joe? What? Did you read the book? <laughs> I read the book. I'm not okay. I understand. Uh, it's so beautiful, but it's so sad. We're gonna be okay. Are we? No, probably not. No. Oh no. <laughs> okay, I'm buying the book. Okay, I'm buying the book. Uh, I love that art imitates life, because this is so honestly how I found you this afternoon. Oh my god, can we talk about that for a minute? I'm sitting at my table, Becky Waltz is in, and I literally have tears streaming down my face. What was that like for you? It reminded me of Lie With Me. I came over and you were on your porch crying. <laughs> oh, that's right, I forgot. <laughs> I'm a crier. I'm an emotional masochist when it comes to the things that I read. I just want to be emotionally destroyed. I don't know why. Well, it's nice to feel things. Maybe I'm so dead inside that I just do anything <laughs> I can to feel something. Maybe that's why we get along so well. <laughs> Are you an emotional masochist, Becky? I just feel absolutely everything, but I show very little until the point where it just like Vesuvius is on oh, everyone. You can read me like a fucking book. We keep finding sad things that With, originated in French. You know, coming into this, I really didn't think I would be the more <laughs> resolute, emotionally strong one. Right now, I just let it all out. I'm dead inside, so I'm, we're doing well. I'm just a nerve. Uh, you, you, you tweak it, and I'm like... <laughs> We're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I need to laugh again. So this week we read Blue is the Warmest Color by Jules Merle. This book was written before the author's transition. That's correct. The author and illustrator has since gone through transition and they now identify as they, them, or a masculine sway. Mm -hmm. And they now go by Jules Merle. Yes. So if you're searching for this book, you will see it listed under the dead name. Mm-hmm. The book is based in France. Mm -hmm. We love our French books, apparently. Uh, and this book is absolutely gorgeous. Not just the story, but the art, the illustrations, every panel conveys such strong emotion. It's incredible. This is one of the first times I have ever read a book where it had me in tears on the first page. It opens to Emma sitting on a train. She's alone and she's reading a letter. And the very first page says, my love, if you're reading this, it means that I have left the world. Oh, cut my heart out. I've had enough of these letters. <laughs> Between Lie With Me and this book, I was like, damn, you French sadness. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah. The letter tells Emma that she has left her her journals. This is the greatest gift that she could leave her. And so she reaches the house of the parents and she shuts herself away in her room and she begins to read. Mm -hmm. And you meet Clementine. Right. So she's sitting down and she's reading the journals and we open on to 16-year-old Clementine. Mm-hmm. 
she's kind of going through a recognition that maybe her sexuality isn't what she has always thought it Mm -hmm. to be you know it's that coming of age thing yeah she's in a relationship with a young man and she's just not feeling it the way he is and he keeps pressuring her to move forward and she doesn't want to so she goes out one night with her friend valentine and they go to a gay bar she gets separated from valentine and wanders into a lesbian bar where she locks eyes with someone who she has previously seen and the sparks come back again. Right, because there's a moment in the very beginning where she's walking down the street. You see a little patch of blue. Mm. It's this woman with blue hair and they lock eyes and there's this moment and then they keep going. Cut to the bar. Yeah, so they have another one of those moments where they're like, I know who you are. I remember this face. Emma comes up and she and Clementine have a quick conversation. They discover... That Emma is in a relationship with another woman. Sabine. Sabine. The relationship between Emma and Sabine is very complicated. And it doesn't Um, really go into it either. You know that something has taken place in their lives to make Emma feel very, very attached to her. She said something along the lines of, she's the one who helped me realize who I am. So I owe her my love. Right. So Emma feels very responsible for Sabine. It's just more of a responsibility at Mm -hmm. this point. So through a lot of off and on, Emma and Clementine come together to eventually be in a long-term relationship. Right. Because at one point... She comes over and her f- and Clementine's folks think she's just a friend who's helping her study and all this stuff, getting right. ready for exams. Well, they're caught together, essentially, and Clementine's parents kick her out. Yeah. And from there on out, they're living together. The next thing you know, it flashes forward and Clementine is saying, I'm 30 now. We've been together 13 years. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that. And it made me kind of happy, actually, that they were able to last that long. Right. It was a big jump oh, yeah. in the story. So one of my favorite parts about this book is the story is very, very strong. You feel the girls and you feel what they're going through. But the art in this book is phenomenal. The very first little bit reminded me of The Giver. I know it's a very odd reference, but in The Giver, Jonas and his community, they don't see color until they start to learn. And in this book, you don't see color until you first see Emma. Mm -hmm. Emma has blue hair, and you can see the little specks of blue starting to pop up in the panels after Emma appears. That's right. And at one point, when Clementine and Emma begin to live together, there's a few scenes where you can even see little bits of blue in Clementine's hair as well. And it Uh just, the color that is usually such a cold and... A cool color. A cool color becomes this color of passion and of warmth where you hadn't thought of it before. It really does represent a feeling. And Jewel did such a beautiful job. There's a scene where Clementine is lying in bed and she's remembering seeing Emma and she imagines Emma's hands on her. Mm -hmm. And you start to see the color blue creep up Emma's hands Mm -hmm. as she caresses Clementine. And the way that this color is used to represent not only a person, but feelings and the things that they're going through. It's just so wonderful and so imaginative. Yeah, they have done just a remarkable job with the coloration of this novel. At one point near the end, they have been together for a while. Mm -hmm. And you notice that Emma's hair is no longer blue. 
Right. It's the passage of time. They've been in this relationship for so long. Things can fade. Things can change. And I found myself really, really missing that color. I was looking at these panels thinking, you're Emma, you have to be blue still. Mm -hmm. And I found myself really, you know, sensing a void when that color was taken away. And I think that is just a part of the perfection of this craft that they have created. Because that, at the point where the blue starts to fade from her hair, is when you begin to feel that maybe things have started to fade between Clementine and Emma as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's Everything is changing. And it's even to the point where you're like, okay, this is the core of who we know Emma to be. And Emma is no longer Emma. So what's happening here? Yeah. The relationship aspect is really interesting. Their relationship started by cheating. Yeah. But it made me sad that that's how they came to be a couple. Mm -hmm. And then near the end, they're sitting in their bedroom and Emma is saying, how many times? And Clementine says three. And Emma asks, did you ever do it here in our home? And Clementine says, no. And for the rest of their time together, Emma is no longer blue. Right. And so it's really interesting to see sort of the full circle of how that happened because it began as an affair and it ended with an affair because Emma immediately kicks her out. She's like, I'm, I'm done with you. And Clementine leaves. I think one of the more prominent things to me about this affair that Clementine has is that it appears to have been with a man. Mm hmm. Throughout the entire first half of the book, Emma is not very supportive of Clementine's sexuality. It's never labeled either. No, but she's has at least three times that I found told her blatantly, you're not a lesbian. You're going to end up with a guy. You'll make the guy very happy, but you're not even queer. Mm -hmm. And that is very damaging, especially coming from someone who you are falling so deeply in love with to have them look at you and go, it's not the same for you. It can be one of those things that you carry and it can trip you up for a very long time. It's definitely not malicious when she's talking about it because it's a defense. In the very beginning, that first day when Emma shows up at Clementine's school and the fallout from that thing, she's like, I'm not a lesbian. This has ruined my social life at school. And she doesn't own what she's feeling inside. So Emma doesn't have any reason to not think that this isn't some 16-year-old kid just experimenting. It's a defensive thing, I think. Yeah, it is to a point, but it continues throughout their relationship. It felt like any time that they got to a point where Emma would have to end things with Sabine, she would fall back on that. Because at one point, Clementine's about to tell her that she loves her or has told her that she loves her. And she's like, you're not even a lesbian. This isn't the same for you. I have a whole relationship I have to think of. Which is well, and on the other side of that, she had a relationship to think of. Well, she you wasn't know? thinking of. <laughs> well, I know, I just, but like uh, when you've got a 16-year-old kid uh, yeah, who's, you I know, you. clearly, I, I think there is an element of infatuation with her because she's like, oh, this is giving me feelings that I've never had before. Yeah. So, you know, I see both sides of it. I really do because we see into Clementine's brain. We see and we feel everything that she's feeling. The desire for Emma is so fully manifested mm -hmm. in her mind, but she's not able to communicate it to Emma fully. Yeah, it got me though, because she kept saying the guy that you eventually fall in love with. And Clementine's sitting here going, you're the guy I have fallen in love with. 
She literally says that. Well, to herself anyway. To herself. It's the denial of her own desires from Emma that really harm Clementine and push her farther back because she's already doing it to herself. She's already denying herself. And then to have the person that she desires come back and say, no, you're not even this. Right. You know, that's an ouch. Yeah. No, that that would hurt. That's one of the things about Emma that I don't care for. There were a few times where it almost felt like gaslighting. No, you don't feel that. You think you do. But you don't. I have more experience in this. My emotions are going to be more valid than your emotions. And while there may be things to gain from experience, I don't think shutting down someone's emotions at any point is ever okay with me. Oh, no. Sure. That drove me a little up the wall about Emma this time around. I don't think I've noticed that so much in the past. And I have to say, though, in Emma's defense, there are things that I really kind of identify with. We don't really know where Emma's coming from emotionally because we're in the head of Clementine with the journals and everything. So we see her perspective. We don't know where Emma's coming from. And I know in my own life, with the feelings that I have for myself developed over time through experiences, Mm -hmm. I've can feel really down about myself so in the past when i've had guys talking to me or things like that it's like stop you're not really attracted to me Mm. you're probably just horny you don't want to really be with me i'm not hot i'm not whatever you know i'm too big i'm whatever and so you don't really feel attraction for me again that's me putting my feelings upon i don't i don't know what's truly in these yeah, guys' heads. But, but I understand where Emma's coming from to an extent when she's like, you're going to find somebody else. I get that to an extent. I really do identify with that. And I think that that's a true thing that she sincerely feels. Okay. And that's not to say that what she's saying is not wrong. Right. You know, she does make Clementine feel less than. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, I think those feelings are true. Um. Anyway, I identified with that. But anyway... Okay, I see you're opened to a page, Joe. What page are we Oh, I just to? was flipping through. However, now that I'm on this page, it just it's so beautiful. The way that these panels have been crafted, the art, this just drips with emotion. You can sense movement. Right. You can sense emotion. You know when someone is feeling grief. So there's a moment where a friend of Clementine randomly just lays one on her. Yeah. It's the first time that Clementine has experienced a kiss from a girl, and the look on her face is one of shock and pleasure. And it's so funny because there are all of these panels where she just is sitting on the train with this dazed sort of goofy expression on her face the entire way home. And I just (laughs) love it. She's just wide-eyed and she looks like an imbecile and I love it. (laughs) You can almost hear I saw the sign playing Uh in the background. Yeah, I love that panel. That was one of my favorites because it's just very like, oh, I realize what happened here. Uh Or like there's a panel right before she gets kissed of Clementine's crotch (laughs) and there are lightning bolts (laughs) coming out of her jeans. (laughs) Yes, the uh, flip has been switched. Right. Yeah. And this actually does have nudity. It does. This, this is a not a safe for work read. This isn't an NSF Because there are some very explicit love scenes. Mm-hmm. So if you are uncomfortable with nudity. Don't read this. Don't read this. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't see the film. I have not seen the film. 
I'm sure it's beautiful, but I don't know that I want to because I just love the world that this book has let me be in. And I love the images that I have seen within these pages. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm ready for the film. The film also ends differently. Really? It ends completely mm. differently. So it's it's an odd one. So the story leaves us with a lot of questions about this 13-year period where they're together. Because it skips. Yeah. You don't get anything. And you go from them beginning to live together to them fighting and no longer living together. You get like a three-page spread of 13 years. That's right. You see... Not long after, when she and Emma have fought and Emma's kicked her out, she is on the other side of the door. She immediately reaches into her bag and takes out the pills. Right. So has this been going on or has she just started this to kill the pain? I don't know, but it's that moment that we first see when she's kicked out, she goes for those pills. So this becomes part of Clementine's unfortunate end. That's right. She has an undiagnosed condition that I don't believe she's aware of. Again, we have very few details, Mm -hmm. but it turns out that she has hypertension. And with that and taking the pills on top of that and then the stress of losing her love and being kicked out and um, just normal job responsibilities and being an adult... She has a heart attack. She's exacerbated the issue right. that uh, she doesn't know about. And it brings her to the point where um, she does have a heart attack and she is hospitalized for the rest of the book. In that moment, she is so down that her friend, is it Valentine? Mm-hmm. Valentine contacts Emma and says, listen, Clementine is not well. I'm taking her to the beach for the day. You're welcome to come and I can bow out and you can have some time together. Mm-hmm. Well, they go to the beach And Emma is there. They talk and they're walking down the beach. They come to a point where they stop and Emma kisses Clementine. And this kiss sends Clementine over the edge and she has a heart attack in Emma's arms. And the next thing you know, the panel has faded to black and we're in a hospital. Mm Mm-hmm. And the truly, truly painful part of this is that they're at the hospital and Emma is trying to get information on Clementine's status and trying to just be by her side. And she is kicked out of the hospital because she is not a member of Clementine's family. And that doctor is cold as fuck. He has no respect, nothing, no bedside manner. He's like, are you family? Sorry. No. Yeah. And in so many of the books that I have read with this same or similar scenario, there's usually an ally who will come out and be like, hey, let's slip in and get you some time with them. Just like the Gunkle, when Joe is dying Mm -hmm. and the nurse lets Patrick come in to say goodbye. We don't get that with Blue. It's cold. It's unfeeling. And all of the worry and the pain and the guilt that Emma is feeling, we feel that too. And there is no comfort for her. Because immediately they contact her family and her family still are not in a place of acceptance with Emma and Clementine. That's right. Clementine has not seen her family in all those 13 years. Mm -hmm. Well, her mother shows up at the hospital and she's seemed to have softened. Right. She allows Emma to stay and hear the information. And at Clementine's wishes, she's allowed to stay in their home. So, yeah. It's, again, one of those parts of the book where you don't know the full backstory on it and you want to know what got them to this point. 
Mm-hmm. And how long had she been feeling like this? Was she feeling exhausted and worn down and all of that before? What are the pills? Were there any other signs? Had they been drifting apart? Did they both feel they were drifting apart? So I've read a lot of Jewel Moreau's other works. And they have a very keen eye for relationships. Mm-hmm. And they address relationships of all spectrums in one of their books called Body Music. I've heard of that. No, I haven't read it. They have such a great sense of love is love in their work. And I'm going to have to read more. One of my very favorite things that Emma says to Clementine in the very beginning when Clementine is trying to figure out what the heck is going on with her own sexuality. She says, there are many types of love. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you wonder what type of love they wound up having. Because we don't even know what Clementine's sexuality is. We never get that true identity from her. And so that, to me, brings the affair at the end of the book into broader question. Right. It's almost as if Clementine has become Emma in a way, you Mm -hmm. know, because Emma started this relationship with Clementine in an affair with her while she was with Sabine. Right. And the relationship almost ends after Clementine does the very same thing. And it's almost like we don't know exactly what Emma felt she owed Sabine. Does Clementine feel the same thing? Because Emma's helped her Mm -hmm. discover things about her own self. Are they in the same place just 13 years apart? The turntables have turned. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with that completely. It says in the book that Emma started to realize who she was at the age of 14. Mm -hmm. And so she's been with or around Sabine since around that time. So she has been with her for a very long time when Clementine finally comes into the scene. Mm -hmm. So she could be very easily looking back at her and going, I didn't know much back then when I was 14. She's just projecting her own experiences onto what Clementine is bringing into the relationship. And she probably sees a lot of herself in Clementine, which is part of the attraction to her. Oh. Oh, look at you getting deep. (laughs) Whoa. I hadn't thought of that. Because it's almost like they've come from the same spot, even though we don't know where Emma came from. I really feel that she probably sees herself in Clementine in the very beginning. Mm. I like that. I wrote down a few of my favorite passages. There is sparse dialogue in the book, but when they do speak, it usually has pretty large impact on the scene. Oh, his chin is quivering. <laughs> oh, his chin is quivering. Oh, I'm looking at the panel when she has the heart attack. No, don't do that. And I think it may be my favorite panel in the book. You see the bottom half of Emma's face screaming, Clem, as... The rest of the panel fades to black. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. I just I was momentarily distracted. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, ring me out. I'm just a wet dishcloth. <laughs> At the end of the book, Emma is reading Clementine's letter. And one of the things in the letter that really stuck with me says... I'm not here, but you've already saved me. I love you without the courage to express it. Love may not be eternal, but it can make us eternal. And he is full on (laughs) sobbing. Oh, gang, I've got tears streaming down my face. You know, I will say this about Joe. When we first (laughs) conceptualized this podcast, 
The first time I mentioned a lesbian book, he made a face like, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) (laughs) And we are now seven books in, and I've got him in tears. Oh, man. I have done it. Yeah. I love the... And it's hard and it's sad and and you feel like you've just had your heart wrenched from your ribcage, but it's so beautiful as she's she's reading the last of that letter where Clementine is talking about being eternal. (laughs) God. Uh, She's she's walking. She's back on the beach. Mm -hmm. The last place she was with Clementine. And she's reading this. I can't do it. <laughs> the second you get a little too emotional, you bust out into tears. You're like, no, 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 no. Uh, it's okay. Keep going. She's a- you can <laughs> do on. it. It's really funny. <laughs> you did that in one of our last episodes too. You were like, it's so sad. <laughs> um, she's back on the beach reading this letter. The words are going through her head. And you turn the last page, and it's a picture of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And she's looking out, feeling so alone and so small next to this big, vast ocean with these words of being eternal in her head. I remember as I turned page 155 to 156, and I saw that it was the end, I was like, No! <laughs> How's that for closure? And, <laughs> because there was another page, and I was like, ah, screw the author bio. I want more. Yeah. And it ends with such a raw emotional beauty. I just felt like I had been wrung out. Yeah. I just sat there, of course, in tears. You know, the book kind of transports to you because you know from the very beginning that something traumatic is happening. You know, once you realize who Emma is and who Clementine is and who the people are in the first chapter, you know Clementine is no longer there. But you completely forget that because you get so caught up in their their romance and their growth and their individualism in this relationship. But then you get to the point where it breaks and you're like, Oh, I remember the first 10 pages. Yeah. Oh, shit. Fix this. Fix it fast. You don't have time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I never truly forgot because I think I had buried deep down inside this dread mm-hmm. because I knew what was coming. I just didn't know how it was going to come about and are we going to get to have all of the love possible mm-hmm. before it ends or are we going to fuck this up and we're going to... M- waste time and it's going to be like a broke back mountain thing where we could have been together but we couldn't process this and make it work and now I've lost you and we've wasted all this time mm-hmm. and it's a light combination of those things right I love that they had those 13 wonderful years together and it was only a very short amount of time that they lost in the end. Right. And the fact that they were able to have that last moment together is everything. And as the last act of Clementine is to write a note to Emma and she gives it to her and then she's gone. It is raw. 
I warned you all at one point that I am a melancholy person and we will be reading a few <laughs> melancholy books in this experience. But this is one of them that I don't know if it's just the addition of the visual aids. <laughs> you can not only hear what they're going through, but you can see the torment on them and the loneliness in some of these panels. And there's, there's also just like such deep passion in their relationship. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say that she was a little standoffish. She pushed her away, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at the moments where they are together, they are together. They are together. They are of one spirit, it feels like. There are times when they're like lying in the grass, just speaking to one another and telling them about their past. And you're just like, you are of one person right now. It just felt very like, one soul. Like I almost want to slip away and let yeah. you be alone together. Right. Like it's it was so private. And I love that because the art for that, for some of those panels, it's from a distance. It's not right up on them. You're back a ways. And it felt like a reverence for their moments, but also like being a part of it, but not being intrusive. It's the fly on the wall yes. thing. We're given a peek. Yeah. It's just very beautifully done. You know, the story on its own would have been powerful. Mm -hmm. But the art and the emotion and the passion, it elevates this to a whole nother plane. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely an experience. You see it all played out and it takes you just somewhere else. Right. You vanish off of your couch or your bed or your chair, wherever, and you're transported, like you said, into this universe where these two souls find each other and it's gorgeous yeah it's that moment of there's my person mm -hmm. even just passing them in a crowd before you even know them just that little glimpse of there's my soul absolutely you know? and i love that first brush pass yeah because they both feel it and neither one of them forget it it's so wonderful and i can't thank jewel enough for this wonderful gift that they brought into the world. It has met me in a lot of different places in my life, this book has. And every time I go back to it, I see a new layer of something that I didn't see before. And it is just an absolute work. I'm so, so in love with it's this a, book. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't read graphic novels before, or if you're not a fan of graphic novels, this one is an easy one to get in with. There are some graphic novels where panels will kind of bounce around. You kind of have to find where the story is going. And that's typically why I don't read a lot of graphic novels, mm -hmm. because I have a hard time concentrating on all of the things. I feel very distracted a lot of times, and this I never felt that once. It's also a relatively short read. Yeah, it is very easy to read in terms of graphic novel. The style feels very early Shane from the L word, grungy kind of. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very grungy. But once they start to come together more as lovers, it becomes softer, more gentle and more carefree. Mm -hmm. I'm just a big fan of this book. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back to the beginning and the use of color. Well, the first glance of blue that we see, of course, is Emma on the train after Clementine is gone. But when she picks up the journal, it's blue. Mm -hmm. 
it's her heart and soul that she's poured into these pages. And because of Emma, her soul is blue. Mm. And when she meets the guy that she dates, his shirt is blue. It's really interesting because it's like, okay, she's drawn to this person. That's also one of the reasons that I don't think that he's a bad guy. Because Jewel does use the color blue for that character. Hmm. And I think that it makes anyone who bears that color stand apart a little bit. It just goes back to the brilliant way that the color blue is used throughout the story. And it's just something that I absolutely am head over heels in love with. I didn't realize that his shirt was blue. It could be almost like it's a softer version of attraction because she Mm -hmm. did like him. Mm -hmm. She just didn't like him enough to physically put herself out on the line. So it could have been just a softer version of attraction. And when you get to Emma with this more vibrant and warm blue, you see that was it. Right. That was what I was feeling right there. I love that. Good job, Jewel. I mean, absolutely remarkable work. I'm so impressed with it. I'm giving Jewel a standing ovation in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I came in tonight kind of wondering if we were going to have enough content because it is such a thin book and it is a graphic novel. But once you begin to really look at the layers of the characters and the layers of the book, you really do find so much more. And this is why I love our conversations, because there are things in this book that you don't process until you talk it out. Really break it down. There's a lot to unpack with this, and that's one of the reasons that I like this. It is intelligent Mm. and it is wonderfully structured. And yet it's not so dense that it's difficult to unpack. Right. So how would you rate blue is the warmest color, Becky? I was thinking about that earlier tonight. And I initially was going to give it a four. Mm -hmm. And after our conversation, it's going to go full on five for me. I'm going to give it five strawberry sodas. What the hell? I'm giving it five blue nipples. (laughs) (laughs) i've brought him around to lesbian books you're welcome uh thanks (laughs) i think all right it's social time it's social time we have to be social now we do all right so we are on twitter we are on twitter and i'm having fun with this yay following people and tweeting and (laughs) all the things you do on twitter Uh yeah And then we are also on Instagram. And TikTok. All of these are a gay by a book. We have made it just so easy. You're welcome. Absolutely. (laughs) And you can always email us at agayabayabook at gmail.com. And if you perhaps would like to leave us a voice comment, I know we've never mentioned this before. Even if it's just you sobbing after finishing Blue is the Warmest Color. Or someone yelling at us saying, stop doing sad books. (laughs) (laughs) Anchor.fm forward slash a gay, a buy a book. And you know what? If it's a good message, we'll put you in the podcast. We will. You want to be in a podcast, kids? Yeah. You want to be the star of our hump day quickie? Send us your voice comments. We can have a quickie together. We can. It's time for a threesome, (laughs) at least. At least. (laughs) Let's get some more bodies in on this, people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Well, I think that concludes this episode. We've done a a number on ourselves. I know. Now I need a pint of ice cream and a sad movie. I don't know. (laughs) Nice warm blanket. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
All right, everyone. We will be here next week with our hump day hump quickie. quickie. No, if you're going to say it, you have to draw it out. Join us next time for our hump day quickie. Oh, my God. I'm going to start keeping a list of the weird things that we've made eye contact through. <laughs> right? I was just thinking that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us for this emotional roller coaster that we have been on. Blue is the warmest color. If you haven't read it, we hope that you can get your hands on a copy and read it. This is an experience that you don't want to miss. We will see you next week with our Hump Day Quickie and after that for a full episode. All right, everyone. It's been a wonderful time with you. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Okay. A buying a book. Again, a buying a book. I need like a bajillion Kleenexes. <laughs>